1: Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Technology is becoming an important part of everyday life. When it comes to caregiving, there are technologies that exist to help with day-to-day tasks and responsibilities of caring for aging loved ones. My guest today is Claudia Fine. Chief Professional Officer with E Family Care. She's going to talk about duties and obligations of caregivers and how technology can help them be more effective in providing care. She's also going to give examples of tasks where technology is being used to provide services that contribute to a better quality of life. So, welcome Claudia, and thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me, Cheryl.
1: Well, I'm really glad that you are here to give us a lot of information about caregiving and technology. But before getting into the technology part of the show, give us a little definition or a big definition of caregiving. How would you define caregiving?
2: Well, I think caregiving is a very broad term. Many people who are caregivers don't even define them as caregivers. Um, I kind of like to see the caregiver, I like to use the word a concerned person as a caregiver because there are so many different ways that you can be concerned and care for an individual. So, for example, uh, a caregiver can provide hands-on personal care. They can... Uh, help with medication, they can do skilled care, but they also can do what we call independent activities of daily living, such as paperwork and bill paying and shopping and house cleaning. Um, A caregiver can be somebody who makes decisions for another individual, such as somebody who has a healthcare proxy or a power of attorney. But also, a caregiver can be just somebody who is concerned and worried. And I think many people are caregivers in that realm. So you've already talked about some of the major duties
1: and responsibilities of a caregiver. Is that pretty much of the definition, or are there even more duties as kind of like a work responsibilities as assigned. So, cuz I was wondering if it differs depending on the patient's needs as to w- what a caregiver does.
2: I think it differs absolutely based on what the caregiver needs and also what the caregiver is able or willing to do. So, you know, you may have a caregiver who's part of a a care team, if you will, and maybe that caregiver is going to be responsible for shopping and that's what they do. They, you know, order food and have it delivered to a loved one. And then you may have a caregiver who comes over and um, dispenses medication. It really depends upon what the person needs and what people are willing and able to do.
1: And to that point then, Claudia, what are some of the challenges of being a caregiver?
2: Well, there are many, many challenges, and there are also much gratification from being a caregiver. Um, but we tend to read a lot about the challenges, especially during, you know, the time of the pandemic, um, having to balance so many other things in your life. You may be responsible for caring for someone, going to work, keeping your own home clean, um, managing your own health issues. The fact that you're a caregiver doesn't mean that you don't need care yourself. Um, there are also issues related to interpersonal relationships. Sometimes it's not easy to take care of somebody who may not want to be cared for. You know, providing care without balance leads to stress and sometimes caregiver burden, which we really want to avoid. And I'm glad that you also
1: brought up about the challenges, especially right now during uh, COVID, although it's not as, I would assume that it's not as severe because people have been vaccinated. But did you see and are you still seeing that there are certain challenges that caregivers are dealing with because of COVID?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, People are still anxious about having other people come into their home. Many of the people, and we haven't really got into the definition of paid and unpaid caregivers, but some of our paid caregivers, um, you know, have withdrawn from the workforce. Um, They're burnt out by all the care that they've had to provide. Um, You know, I think in general, the pandemic really shed a light on, the underlying challenges that we as a society face in caring for the people we love. And you did bring up
1: about uh, professional caregivers versus family caregivers. Define the difference. What are we looking at here?
2: Well, you know, I have a hard time actually using the word professional because when I think of professional, I think of people who have a skilled maybe even licensed role. Um, I think many of the paid caregivers, and that's the word I would like to use, are people who have been, received a certain amount of training um, and a certain amount of support, and they are paid to provide care when perhaps there's not enough family involved um, or family chooses not to uh, or fr- or there are no friends. Um, but You know, unfortunately, we see that the number of paid caregivers is is really declining with the pandemic.
1: To that point, then, they are declining because of the pandemic. Talk a little bit more about that. Is that because they've decided they don't want to do caregiving anymore? They're not vaccinated? What are we talking about here?
2: All of the above. Some of them are not vaccinated. Some of them are some of them basically kind of got burned out during the pandemic. I mean, we read about that with certainly with nurses in emergency rooms. It's true, um, uh, you know, with paid caregivers in the home and in nursing homes. I mean, nursing homes we know suffered tremendously during during the pandemic. So, I mean, I think that's part of it. The other part of it is that uh, caregiving. Um, like so many of the helping professions is not well paid and so people are you know choosing to do other kinds of work. And does this mean then that
1: technology is replacing some of the responsibilities and duties of a caregiver, be it family or professional and and helping caregivers?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that family members are going to have to um, take up some of the responsibilities that paid caregivers. And actually, you're making me think about it's not just paid caregivers. It's also actually skilled health care providers, because as we know, people are staying less time in the hospitals. They're being discharged sooner with more complex Uh, care needs. And so family caregivers are not only just responsible for personal care, they're increasingly responsible for things that are skilled, such as managing medication, maybe providing wound care, maybe even like managing things like pick lines when people come out of hospitals.
1: That's why I really, I think sometimes when people think about technology, their eyes glaze over or they just can't imagine what are some possibilities? So I'd like to get into a few examples. So let's let's start with you know it could be the caregivers, but it could also be uh, the person who's receiving the care. Uh, let's talk about transportation options, and that was a real big thing during uh, during COVID. And so if the caregiver or the recipient of of the care has Limited transportation options. Are there ways that they can shop for goods and services online? Talk a little bit more about that. What is what what's available?
2: I mean, we all now learned during the pandemic that the internet and you know apps, devices enable us to purchase and send, um, you know, things that we need to ourselves and to the ones we love. Uh you know, I mean, certainly, you know people who invested at Amazon did very well um so the and there are lots of i mean it's not just that there are just lots of services that you can you know coordinate and organize online, and we also know that now, thankfully, um some actual health care can be provided via telehealth um and that enables people who can't travel to have something observed, or to talk to a doctor or another kind of provider. So yes, when transportation is an issue, the technology is there. The other thing I want to mention is that um, people can order transportation. It used to be, I live in New York City, so you know I would have to go out and flag the cab. That, people don't do that so much anymore. They use, you know, technology for things like, you know, Uber and that sort of stuff to order services when they need it.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. There's something for everybody. And to that point, then I wanted to move into another factor that's really important both for caregivers and those that they're caring for is safety. Is there new technology now that helps to ensure the safety for patients? Give some examples. And, and I think I really want to hear more in this
2: part of how people could actually access that technology. Sure. So let's let's just begin by saying that probably about 70, 73 or more percent of all caregivers all of the loved ones that caregivers take care of uh, end up in the hospital because of safety issues. And those safety issues have to do with medication adherence, falls, and, and cognitive impairment that a lot makes it difficult for them to be safe in their environment. So that's huge. Um, and it falls on the caregiver to to make sure that that person is safe and technology is, is very, very important in that way. Um, I like to think of technology, you know, of, of things falling into different categories. I think that there's technology that makes people, um, Keeps the home safe. So, for example, if some you know we we worry about somebody who might forget to turn off the stove or turn off the water, there are apps that do that. Um, you know, Google Net, Nest and uh, you know smart thermostat type things are things that you can do to make sure that um, there are stove sensors. Um, there are smart plugs that the caregiver can actually you know, basically literally plug and play, you, you know, plug in the smart plug and then you set it and you coordinate it with your app on your phone for your loved one. And you turn on the lights at six o'clock when it gets dark so that your loved one won't fall down in the dark because they forgot to turn the lights on or they didn't turn the lights on. Um, so, those are like things that I have that have to do with the general environment. Um, I think there's personal safety issues. Um, we've all seen the ad, I've fallen and I can't get up. Um, well, we've come a long way from that. Um, there are very helpful and multi service type apps that provide emergency responses for falls. They also they enable people, um, they're Some of them are motion detector based so that the person doesn't even have to fall. They can just lose their balance and the app will identify a loss of balance. Um, They have phones built in with them so that the person can automatically just speak into their, their device and say, I'm on the floor. Can someone help me? They don't have to call anyone. Um, There's technology in those apps that text, you know, an identified caregiver, you know, that there's a problem. Then we also have uh, GPS kinds of uh, driven apps and technology. People wander. People go into places that perhaps they shouldn't go. the caregiver can actually track when someone is where they're not supposed to be. So that's very important for people with dementia who who struggle with wandering sometimes. There are, you know, a variety of motion detectors. And and I remember when these were first developed, uh, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago because it'll give you a, a sense of how old I am, but people were very concerned about privacy issues and, you know, intrusion and whatnot. But, you know, we've worked through some of those ethical issues and some of those compliance issues, and they are invaluable about being able to monitor. Like, for example, if somebody is going to the bathroom three times a night, um, maybe they have a urinary tract infection. Certainly, getting up and going to the bathroom in the middle of the night a lot is going to make you more likely to fall. Um, So that's another thing that a caregiver can learn about through technology.
1: Well, you're really giving some good examples, and I wanted to move on to medications, and uh, you've mentioned that a little bit earlier, and so I wanted to get into it a little more uh, in detail. Uh, The kinds of tools that refer to, like refills or delivery or making sure people take their medications, what kind of technology tools are available for, uh, for medication management?
2: Well, you know, medication management can be kind of low tech or it can be high tech. And because medication is so important, you know, I'm going to basically take the position that, you know, being just a basic and having like a pill dispenser that is, it's an app that basically notifies that the pills were taken for that week. But there are some like Hero, which tracks doses and consumptions, and provides like um, you know changes in software, and will tell you when you need to order them. They you know they it holds up to ninety days. Um, alarms go off when people don't take their medication, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, with medication management, because so. It's such a big issue. Thirty percent of all hospitalizations are attributed to medication mismanagement. That's huge. So you know, sometimes simple is is start simple and then get fancy.
1: Well, and ironically, the just last week we had a whole program about medication management and polypharmacy, and so the statistic you quoted was actually discussed on the previous program, so you're right on there. So thank you for for sharing that again, Claudia, important detail. I wanted to get into a little bit about privacy. I mean, we're talking about apps here and technology, and people are very concerned about their privacy and getting hacked and who knows who learning more than they need to know about an individual. Are there now... Uh, types of caregiver technology that can protect uh, the privacy of the patient. What are you seeing to, to make sure that happens?
2: Well, I mean, certainly, um, <laughs> privacy is is critical, and all of these apps that are connecting with you know healthcare providers, healthcare systems have to be compliant with you know regulations, HIPAA. Um, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of these technologies actually can, um, I'm not sure what the word is, basically be introduced into, you know, things like Epic and big healthcare systems. And so in order to be able to do that, they too have to be, you know, as, you know, rigorous in their, in their, um, you know, their, uh, privacy issues, Um, you know, you know, I'm from eFamily care and, and we share, we collaborate with providers and plans. And so we, you know, absolutely have to be, you know, follow all of those regulations. Um, you should not You anybody who's looking at any kind of device should make sure that that they are compliant with, you know, federal regulations and, um, quality concerns.
1: And to that point then, Claudia, I would assume that if it's necessary for a caregiver to track patients' health records and health-related activities, oftentimes I know that um, individuals, in fact, I myself hear from my uh, primary care physician, uh, is, uh, is there technology that caregivers can also get to make sure that the person that they're caring for, their health records and other kinds of information that's related to their health, that that's, uh, that's available. And then they can track like appointments and that what's available out there.
2: Well, first of all, you know, health systems and health plans have their own, um, uh, you know, whatever you would call it, their own, uh, platform for managing everything. Um, as a patient of that system, uh, or a member of that plan, the, they can identify, uh, the, unfortunately they don't identify people as caregivers. That's a big thing a thing that I find very infuriating, but there is a primary contact or a, uh, a proxy that can be identified, and that person can be have access to that material. Um, so you could go in and look at that patient's lab results, for example, if you are that identified person. Um, that's also true with a variety of, you know, other programs that aren't the big programs. So for the, and there's a real big push now to have all of these platforms integrate and talk to each other and use the same language. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. And that can be a little bit overwhelming, certainly for people who are receiving the care, especially if they're not, you know, that literate in technology, um, but also for the caregivers as well.
1: You bring up a a good point about uh, sharing information, because I was wondering if it is possible to find technology that helps to disseminate information to all the people that are involved in the care of somebody, whether it's physical therapy or a social worker or a nutritionist or all the various physicians that might be involved with the care of someone. Um, and there might be certain tasks that are involved, rehab or going to PT or going someplace else. Is there technology now that helps to coordinate that so the caregiver doesn't have to keep writing it down on a yellow legal pad?
2: <laughs> well, there are lots of different apps out there. You can just go to the, you know, app store, or, you know, Google, and there are lots of them. Um, some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. I think, um, you know, you want something that basically can assign, you know, caregivers can um, sign on to, and they can share information. Um, there are problems with that sometimes because all family members are not created equal, as you know. So you know you want to like basically make sure that you want everybody in the in the care team to have access to all the same information. So that's something that different pro- products address differently. Um, at eFamily, we have something called a care crew and the, the primary caregiver can invite people to participate. They can assign tasks, they can share documents, um, and, uh, the care advisor who works with them can collaborate and bring on all of their different, uh, Providers like a social worker, a nutritionist, a care manager, the physician, um, and that's all coordinated. There are several of those around. Um, it's, it's something that's being perfected.
1: I think that that's probably a good segue into taking a break right now before we uh, continue, because there's a lot of needs out there, but finding the technology yet might still be... Uh, a work in progress but just wanted to mention to our listeners in case you tuned in late we're talking with claudia fine who is the chief professional officer with e-family care and you are listening to W E R A L P lp arlington 96.7 fm we'll be right back
0: Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org.
1: Welcome back. We are having a great discussion right now about technology and caregiving. My guest is Claudia Fine, the Chief Professional Officer with eFamily Care. And Claudia, I, gosh, you gave so many good examples of the technology tools that are out there uh, and are available for caregivers. So, my next question would be. What kinds of tools are available to provide education and and information to caregivers? How can they find out more about this? What stores can they go to? What are their names of applications that they should look for? What would you tell us about how we can learn more about this?
2: Sure. I mean, I think that... Um, <laughs> not to plug the big guys, I think the big guys are very, um, they're very user friendly. I think, you know, Amazon and Alexa have like a whole health program. And I think some of that is, is, is quite helpful. I think that um, the, you know, Apple has a lot of, Things I think Best Buy is really known as, like, super user-friendly for caregivers. They have a geek squad. They have – you can call them. You can ask questions online. Um, And they have a whole department just geared towards, you know, sort of senior support and caregiving. So those would be my, you know, my top – you know, brand name, so to speak. Um, The other thing is that, you know, it's uh, Wirecutter. I don't know if if the audience is familiar with that. It was something that basically was an independent journal of sorts or periodical about technology. um, And they periodically have a whole section on senior care devices and caregiving devices. I believe in September of this year, there was a wonderful uh, uh, summary of the best that's available for helping your loved ones stay at home safely. Um, So, and actually I think they're published, they're owned now by the New York Times. Um, Another thing is that there are, I mean, people should talk to people they get advice from. Um, some people get advice from social workers, from doctors, from whatnot. Those people know things too. One of the things that 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 we see as part of the care advice that we do for our caregivers is to link them with certain kinds of devices. Um, there, you know, we have a library, and if someone is concerned about, let's say, someone, Oh, I don't know, drinking enough water, for example. That's a good example. People worry about a loved one forgetting to drink water. Uh, there is actually a device that you can put on, your, on someone's cup that lights up if they haven't picked it up recently. So it encourages uh, the, the person to stay hydrated. Um, and the caregiver can actually track that on an app. So I keep on referring to apps. And I want to like basically tell you where you go for apps, because people may not know that. Um, There are basically two places for apps. There's the Google store, and there's the Apple store. And you've all seen those little black um, signs that you know, basically say, you know, find me in this store. Um, that's where you should go. And you you could shop, you could search for caregiving, you could search for uh, motion detectors, and you'll get tons of them. And they have reviews. Sometimes there are, you know, reviews in, you know, with the products. So I would encourage people to look at that as well. I think, you know, basically that, that gives you an overview. I do think that... Uh, certain kinds of devices, such as motion detectors, nanny cams, um, GPS. These are all the kinds of things that you would look at at a, a device store, such as Best Buy.
1: That provides some good information. At least people know which store to go to or what to look online before they go to that store. And the other aspect of caregiving And looking more at the caregiver now is the social and emotional support that many times they may need. And especially right now, uh, if they can't perhaps get together with other caregivers as much, are there technology tools that can help to provide that kind of support, that social and emotional support for, for the caregivers?
2: Well, I mean there's a plug for you know for you <laughs> aging care uh there are groups through those kinds of like websites that people can you know basically share their feelings and 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 get input from other caregivers um there are support uh groups that are actually usually done by Zoom people are mostly familiar with Zoom different kinds of Uh, You know, hospital systems, social service agencies have caregiver support groups that are now basically technologically run um, because they realize that a caregiver doesn't have a whole lot of time to go sit and have a cup of coffee, unfortunately, with a group of caregivers. And in COVID, you wouldn't want to do that anyway. So much of the support is done through the technology that we use for everything else. Um, Again, there are uh, programs through the Alzheimer's Foundation and Association that have caregiver groups. Um, Some of the other Foundations and organizations like Cancer Care all run these kinds of support groups. And again, it's all through technology. And they have chats too. I was also
1: wondering, uh, and I would suspect that this is true, but there might also be kinds of entertainment or brain games, technology. Sometimes the caregiver doesn't necessarily want to interact with other people, but they just want to reduce... Their stress, or just have some downtime. Are there technology uh, devices that are helpful? Well, one of my
2: favorite is is Headspace. Um, I think that you know the caregivers are so stressed and they're so overextended, and I think getting in touch with just. The self and meditating is a wonderful thing for caregivers. Um, unplugging, and so I would really encourage people. It's, it's, I think there's a free trial. I think during COVID, they were offering it free, they may still be, Uh, but I think that's very helpful. And then, of course, I mean, there's so much on the internet in terms, and also on our televisions with you know, very YouTube with various, uh articles and videos and things like that, that you can search for. YouTube is a great uh, resource. Um, you can search under caregiving and there will be people giving like little talks about it. Uh, so I I would encourage that as well.
1: All right. Well, people have to start following up on your suggestions. I wanted to ask a number of general questions about technology. You've been doing this a long time, Claudia, and are there barriers that caregivers face in using technology? What would you tell us?
2: Sure. I mean, I think, first of all, care, most of our caregivers, the majority of our caregivers are in the, you know, are not young. They aren't the pre compute, you know, pre-internet, um, I mean, they are pre-internet, they're not coast internet. And so, you know, even as you could see, you know, for me, I mean, we all are learning and struggling and whatnot. And when you have a lot on your plate, learning new tools can be a challenge. Um, So people sometimes avoid technology because they feel like, oh, it's another thing I have to do. Um, And that is, that's a barrier. Um, I think the other thing is uh, using technology with a loved one can be a barrier. Um, Very often, you know, certainly a lot of, you know, older seniors with chronic illnesses can't use technology either because of, you know, they can't see, they can't hear, their cognition may be not so good. So caregivers need to kind of like compensate for them as well. Um, they may have to deal with resistance, their resistance to technology. You know, I don't want that in my life, kind of thing. Um, so there are all of these barriers that you know, all of which are take time and patience. But we 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 all have the capacity to grow, and I think that you know that's what we have to do with technology.
1: And to that point. W- Are there places within a community that caregivers can get help learning to use technology? What's out there right now? I'm I'm concerned that a caregiver might say, well, I don't need an app to, I don't even want to get an app to tell me how to, to use another app. Might there be individuals or volunteers or organizations that can help caregivers Learn how to use technology. W- what are you seeing in the community?
2: There are people who support seniors with technology, and they includes caregivers as well. There's an organization called Can Do, which I think is is quite good. There is a fee associated with that, but you basically have like a person to help you with the technology until you're ready enough to go it alone without the person.
1: And in fact, sometimes you can just ask your grandchild and the child, that, that person can help you use right. that technology.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So
1: what happens if a technical device that someone decides to get just doesn't meet the needs of either the caregiver or the patient are there any options can you take it back or what do you do?
2: Yes. And I think, you know, I it's very common for a caregiver to try something with a loved one and the loved one says, "No, get that thing out of here." Programs and devices, they're used to that. And there are built-in kind of return and, and credit things in most of these these situations. Um, you know, I did think of the other, there's something called the uh, Gary Sinus Foundation, RISE, Restoring Independence, Supporting Empowerment. And they also provide support for caregivers who are... Indeed, trying to support independence of their loved ones. Um, the other thing that I would encourage you to do is to caregivers to do is to you know hire a consultant if you're having trouble. I mean, you don't have to. Not everybody knows everything, and sometimes we may need a person to just consult with. And there are people out there who will just assess. Your needs as you perceive them, assess the needs as they are observed, uh, and then make some recommendations in terms of what kinds of technology and equipment would be most appropriate and most helpful for a loved one.
1: I think you're talking about like an
2: aging life care manager. An aging life care manager could absolutely do that without a doubt. Okay,
1: well we can put in a plug for the Aging Life Care Management or Management Association to to check that out because they have uh chapters all over the country. So that's a a, a good suggestion. I was I was also wondering about costs. I mean, I'm sure that individuals, the caregiver has many uh, expenses related to caregiving. Uh, do they really want that extra cost for technology. So give us kind of a comparison of the costs, costs and benefits of, of caregiver technology. What, what would we need to know?
2: Well, let me start get on my soapbox first <laughs> and say that you know, there are costs and benefits of everything. Um, but the reason we have technology is that it actually is, you know, for better or worse, less costly than a person doing things for the most part. That's why we have become a technological society, not just in healthcare. Um, And so think in terms, you know, of your time, your health, your stress, and the safety and wellness of your loved ones that has a price. And so if you can have someone, or let's let's go back to the medication management. If you don't have to go over every day and make sure mom is taking her medication after you come home from work and before you make dinner for your kid, that's, that's kind of, and, and maybe that machine costs, you know, to rent it and to support it, $12 a month it's worth it. So I think you have to balance the benefit and cost. The other thing is that the cost of not taking care of someone is phenomenal. If that person takes the wrong medication or falls and ends up going into a hospital and gets, let's say, you know a sub you know a, a stroke or something the cost to that person is both in terms of quality of life and in terms of the cost of personal care to keep that person functional is going to be enormous as well i was
1: also wondering whether some of this caregiver technology these devices that are available now or could be available are they covered by medicare are there any other insurance plans that that would uh, cover some of these items that uh, might be of uh, use to a caregiver
2: you know i've spent a year years and years as an aging life care Person, and I've spent many, many years telling people, I'm sorry, Medicare doesn't cover that. And people are horrified at how much Medicare does not cover because Medicare really only, and this is a definition, covers reasonable and necessary services for the diagnosis, treatment of illness or injury, or to improve the functioning of a malformed body member. Uh, member, that is the definition. So, what does that mean? It means that um, unless you are actually going to deliver a diagnosis, Medicare is not going to pay for it. That being said, some of the Medicare Advantage programs have realized that by identifying these risks or symptoms—let's call it symptoms—let's let's let's look at like. A scale that somebody stands on every day to measure their weight, because they have congestive heart failure. And if we see that their weight is going up suddenly, we know their body is retaining fluids. And we know that that person needs to basically go on, you know, some kind of uh, thing to reduce the fluid retention. That is a diagnostic process, that is an intervention, and that saves money. So Medicare Advantage programs may cover these kinds of technologies. Um, They frequently cover, you know, PERS devices too, because they don't want people to fall because they'll end up in the hospital and it'll cost the hospital money. But general Medicare does not cover it.
1: And other insurance plans?
2: No. They don't either? No. No.
1: One thing that that comes to mind as I'm thinking about this technology and availability to caregivers, we didn't really talk at all about the setting. Are most of the examples of where technology is used for caregivers, and we're, we're thinking more about the family caregiver, is, is it likely in a private home, or are they also beginning to use more of this kind of technology in other settings, uh, nursing homes or even assisted living facilities or continuing care facilities? What have you seen? Is this a, a trend that's going to get bigger and bigger? What, what, do, you, what do you think?
2: Um, I absolutely think that technology is going to explode in assisted livings and continuing care facilities. I don't know whether rehab and long-term care nursing homes are there yet. Um, They're having enough trouble staying afloat, Um, but I think... I'm seeing that you can ensure the safety. Think about it for a long time. They had call pulls right in the bathrooms. That's a form of technology. It's a very primitive kind. Ring a bell if somebody falls, right? Now they have cameras. You know, all of these things are going to make it easier to monitor, you know, an impaired individual. So whether that individual is at home um, or in, You know, an assisted living or, you know, an adult residence, senior housing, technology is going to be very important. And have you seen examples or can
1: you give some examples of where uh, technology has been successful? It sounds like you've been doing uh, life care management for a long time. And I would be eager to hear if you have some examples of success stories?
2: Um, I think uh, the motion detectors are being used a lot now in some of the more high-end assisted living facilities because they can see if people, because it does allow someone to sort of like live their own life and not have somebody intrude upon them all the time. But you can monitor, you know, what's sort of going on. If someone hasn't gotten out of bed because and you see there's no movement between let's say seven o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock you're gonna send someone in there um, and that person and the sooner you can do that so they you know there are algorithms that are developed as to when when we should intervene um, you know they also use you know medication distribution um, technology too in uh, in assisted livings so that people can, Manage their own medication themselves. Have a sense of doing it. Um, they don't need like an, uh, you know, you know, to go to the nurses station or to have somebody come in and hand them a pill, but someone is controlling it.
1: And what I'm hearing you say is is that this technology that you're describing doesn't necessarily just have to be caregiver technology. It could actually help individuals who are still aging in place at home, uh, that they can live more independent lives because of technology. Would would you agree?
2: I I would agree. I think, you know, the way to think about it is that we all want to be as much in control of what we do in our life as we can be safely. And we want to be able to, in, in some ways, control our own space but we want to do it safely. So, if technology can create that safety net, which is essentially what it's doing, it's like standing away, but providing that safety net, then the older person really can be more autonomous. And that also enhances the relationship of the caregiver to the care recipient. I mean, one of the issues that caregivers and care receivers have is, you know, nobody wants to be taken care of. You don't like save your money so that you can purchase home care or a nursing home. That's not what we, you know, so how can we maintain a sense of independence and a sense of autonomy? And I think technology is really the way to go. So one
1: last question you've given some excellent resources already Claudia anything else that you wanted to add in terms of best resources to learn about technology for older adults for caregivers their families what would you tell us
2: I'm going to go back to advice um that you know I'm hopefully everyone's gotten a lot of information here and they took good notes or they listened to it again but I also think that sometimes you know, you don't know what you need until you need it. And yes, I think I want to pitch aging life professionals, but I also want to say that there are other, and these are technology kinds of programs, advice driven programs online where people can go in and type in questions and get answers. Some of them are, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, AI, they're like, you know, automated. So, but they're, they're good and they're really, they give you good information. Some of them are actually you know, live people who are responding. Um, we've learned over more recently that um, you know, counseling can be done online. It can be done telephonically. It can even be done by text. So people should avail themselves of advice either by telephone, in person, or through technology.
1: All right. Well, I want to thank Claudia Fine with eFamily Care for joining me today. And if you want to learn about Aging Matters, you can visit the Aging Matters website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And you go to that site, you can access all Aging Matters radio and TV show content, and as well as the Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. So be sure to check that out. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, and the website for that company is inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today, and remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Coridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com.